Nickelodeon fans, and welcome to This Week in Nickelodeon History. My name is Captain Eric, and I am covering all of the Nickelodeon shows that either premiered or finished their run on Nickelodeon between the times of August 22nd and August 28th. Uh, first and foremost, I am having the air conditioner run in the background because it is so hot outside that if I shut that air conditioner off, the heat immediately makes itself known in the room, so it'll be on for the remainder of of this episode. Uh, but we're actually starting out with six years ago on August 24th, 2015, the Nick Jr. show Shimmer and Shine premiered, created by Farnaz Eshnasheri Sharmats, and ran for four seasons and 86 episodes. Eight years ago, on August 25th, 2013, Speed Racer, the next generation, finished its run on the Nicktoons Network. That's right, if you didn't know, the Nicktoons Network had an original Speed Racer series um, pretty much used to promote the live-action Speed Racer movie. The show premiered one week before the movie hit theaters, um, all the way on May 2nd, 2008, on Nicktoons Network. The show was created by Larry Schwarz, who, if you're a fan of the Nicktoons Network, would, would seem like a fairly recognizable name because a lot of his work with the Animation Collective... Uh, aired on Nicktoons Network. He was, of course, producer of Kappa Mikey, uh, the Thumb Wrestling Federation, Leader Dog, Tortellini Western, Three Delivery. Of course, he had Speed Racer here. He was also part of Ellen's Acres and Princess Natasha, if those at all seem like locked in the back of your brain of just nostalgic things you remember as a child. Uh, so he was a part of this, of this group that, uh, that made this animation style that... Look, for its time was was kind of what internet animation was doing. It was kind of flash-based. And they, they did really well with it in some ways. Kappa Mikey is a great example that kind of handles two different animation styles in, a, in its own unique way. And is it a fair, it's a very fun, unique show. And, and was so popular that even Nickelodeon had to catch on to Kappa Mikey's popularity by airing Kappa Mikey content on the regular Nickelodeon channel. It's actually, I think, the only Nicktoons Network original that kind of got caught up on the regular Nickelodeon channel. Even so, in the I have this book, this Nicktoons book that was a collection of like all the Nicktoons and it went over each Nicktoon. Kappa Mikey is included in that book. It's crazy. Um Kappa Mikey is an absolutely wonderful show, but back over to Speed Racer, the next generation. I am a Speed Racer fan. And I, especially with the live action movie, got caught up in in watching some of the old Speed Racer cartoons, watching uh, the the reboot of the Speed Racer cartoon, I think from the 90s. I loved the live action movie. This show, though, I just couldn't get into. And it, it was in part to its animation style. Now, the original Speed Racer is one of those old anime shows that... Kind of like Hanna-Barbera, just just used very cheap animation styles 
and and tactics to get away with more than they could, which it sounds like it's being like a negative, but at the time it was actually innovative. It was super innovative. Hanna-Barbera were cranking out cartoons left and right. In no way, shape, and form when I talk about that animation style being cheap or, or cookie cutter or cutting corners or anything like that doesn't come from a place of negativity or from a place of looking down because if I was running an animation studio at the time, I would I would want to, you know, I'd want to reuse as much as I could just to get out as much as I could. The Hanna-Barbera animation studio was a factory, was a machine gun of animation because of that. So Speed Racer was kind of in that in that realm of just reusing the backgrounds and and knowing when to stretch out as much time as they could on shots. Um, and Speed Racer was it had its own niche popularity in this country. That all being said, the whole point of bringing up the animation style, looking to what this show gave us in current times, you know what? Fairly appropriate. It fit the Speed Racer brand in a in a very unique way. Um, but there was just something about the characters, the writing. I I it just didn't. I wasn't a fan of it. I gave it a, a bunch of shots. It definitely played in the background for a lot of the times I was making art. Uh, I watched a ton of Nicktoons Network at the time that this was on. I would just have it in the backgrounds, hoping that some of the classic shows I loved would just kind of, you know, meander on. But at Speed Racer, The Next Generation was on sometimes. So uh, I, it's judge for yourself. First and foremost, never go. That That is just based off of my life of watching the show. Um, if you are a Speed Racer fan, definitely give it a shot. Give it a thought. See what you think. Let me know in the comments below. Eight years ago, on August 24th, 2013, the TV movie Swindle premiered on Nickelodeon. Twelve years ago, on August 24th, 2009, the Fresh Beat Band premiered on Nick Jr. The show was created by Scott Kraft and Nadine Vanderveld. And it ran for three seasons, 60 episodes, and one standalone special. Eleven years ago, on August 26th, 2010, The Nightlife finished its run on Teen Nick. Uh, this is a dance-themed television series hosted by Nick Cannon, Aaron Fresh, Chloe Wang, now known professionally as Chloe Binet. Uh, the series premiered on August 5th, 2010 ran for four episodes and was pretty much canceled I guess I, I guess it was it says it was shortly after I don't know if it was shortly after it aired its first episode or shortly after it aired its fourth which then became its last but I just think at the time maybe just dance TV shows just in 2010 with YouTube kind of on the rise I don't know I can understand why it only ran for four episodes 13 years ago on August 24th 2008. The uh, the ends student body finished its run on the end, which for those that don't know what the end is, um, if you know that Nick Jr. has its own channel, basically known as Noggin, when Noggin throughout the day plays its preschool content, Noggin isn't 24 hours technically because at some point, I think around 5 or 6 p.m., wherever you are, Noggin, quote unquote, goes to sleep. And the end picks up and has more content for, 
you know, the, probably the teenage audience, but they're also, I guess, going after hopefully the parents or the adults that have noggin on all day and they're putting their kid to bed and then they're like, oh, might as well just keep the channel on. I'll keep watching noggin for adults. But uh, the student body was presented by uh, Layla Ali, and it's about 12 students from two different high schools in Illinois and um, they're overweight students and gives them the opportunity to change their lives, their bodies, lose the weight, change their diets. I believe whoever between these two high schools, whoever has the 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 most weight loss would win twenty five thousand um, dollars. Whoever, I guess, between the students themselves, whoever can lose the most weight would lose $25,000 for themselves. Um, now, by the end of the competition, now, if you're a regular listener of my This Week in Nickelodeon episodes, we, you'll know that we covered this just mere months ago because the competition only lasted eight episodes. One season, eight episodes. Um, the rules changed a bit because by the end of the competition, the grand prize was awarded for biggest overall transformation. And that win went to Mike Walker for his overall change in attitude and self-esteem. Um, and the uh, the winning high school was uh, MacArthur High School. Uh, congratulations to Mike Walker. Now, I, I, I haven't watched this show, so I can't tell you. I literally have no frame of reference of any part of this show whatsoever other than the thought of, you know, people trying to lose weight. But I have to imagine that if this was a weight loss competition and by the end they decided that they had to change the rules like this guy must have changed so drastically over the course of eight episodes that they had to change the rules to give him the money i can't even tell you if he lost the most weight he could have lost the least amount of weight from from at least from the information i've been given he could have lost a pound and won by the end just because he uh Changed his attitude up, although I, I imagine he, he lost a ton of weight. Like I said, I, I imagine the change must have been so drastic, both in look and attitude, that they they felt the need of, like, kid, we're just going to give you $25,000. I hope Mike, wherever he, Mike Walker, of the winner of this competition, I hope wherever he is doing, he is leading a successful, happy life. Um, I, I hope he's uh, enjoying himself. So congratulations, Mike. Congratulations to MacArthur High School for for being undefeated in the end student body competition. I don't think they'll ever bring that competition back. So uh, so keep on to that uh, that gold medal there, guys. Thirteen years ago, on August twenty third, two thousand eight, Chalk Zone finished its run on Nickelodeon. Created by Bill Burnett and Larry Huber, the show ran for four seasons and forty episodes. Uh, for those that don't know about Chalk Zone and its its legendary time on Nickelodeon, it actually got its start all the way back on Oh Yeah Cartoons. I believe it had three shorts throughout Oh Yeah Cartoons' run, and it was very clear from the beginning that, um, actually, no, there was not. There was eight different shorts that ran on Oh Yeah Cartoons. Um, Chalk Zone was the the one of the clear favorites of Oh Yeah Cartoons. It was up there with the Fairly Odd Parents in terms of, of what everybody was talking about. Uh, when Oh Yeah Cartoons was on television, 
you would talk with other kids in school. The only shorts that anybody, I mean, yeah, sure, there were a few a few favorites that your friends might have, those one-offs that everyone else kind of liked, but the favorites that people would constantly talk about were Chalk Zone and the Fairly Odd Parents. Now, while the Fairly Odd Parents show itself got to premiere uh, fairly early after its original shorts aired on Oh Yeah Cartoons, Chalk Zone had to wait some time before its first season because Nickelodeon did end up picking Chalk Zone up as a full-time show. Uh, its final short on Oh Yeah Cartoons aired on December 4th, 1999, and its premiere date of its first season on March 22nd, 2002. Think about it. All of the year 2000, all of the year 2001, two years go by before anyone else sees Chalk Zone again. Chalk Zone's first season is only six episodes long. Uh, its second season, which airs throughout 2003, is eight episodes long. And they're chugging along great. Season three airs in the beginning of February, right in 2004. For some reason, it takes uh, about a year and a half to air season three. And right when season four begins airing in June of 2005, it then strings itself out between airings on very apparently very early premieres on Nickelodeon, like 6 a.m. to then just random premieres on Nicktoons Network. The run didn't finish for another three more years until its final episode finally premiered on August 23rd, 2008. Uh, Chalk Zone is another one of these shows that I there must have been just something going on at Nickelodeon around these times where these shows would just be done and finished, but they would just be sitting there, and it would take an extraordinarily long amount of time before these shows would air. I, I just don't understand. Like, I can, I get it if just a show isn't as popular as you want it to be, but you you have a television network. You have content. You need content. Build, uh, you know, you have all these shows that you're just stockpiling episodes for. I mean... You know, one of the things I wanted to talk about that ended this week that was a was a pretty good programming block for its time. Friday Night Nicktoons. Now, it only lasted about two years. Um, uh, tried to compete really with Cartoon Cartoon Fridays over on Cartoon Network. But I enjoy little specific blocks like that where, you know, you're going to get new content. I think about Sundays on Fox. How they've always Sundays, you know, you're going to have animation on Fox, The Simpsons and Family Guy and whatnot. Nickelodeon should have something like that where, hey, look, even if it's not a show that's as popular as every other show or SpongeBob, it'll have a new episode on that content block so that people know where to find it or that there's a chance to have new viewers to just sit back and wait years on end to just stockpile these episodes. I don't understand it. Um, sometimes in these situations, the one thing that does make sense is if at the time just different people coming in charge and, and they don't want to take on a pe previous person's decisions. I don't know if Chalk Zone was just one of those shows that over the course of a few years, just different people handling the 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 programming blocks on Nickelodeon and just Chalk Zone fell out of favor. I have no idea, but... Uh, I absolutely love Chalk Zone. Just to get into the show without, con you know, just talking about, you know, how mishandled I felt it was. Uh, the show follows Rudy Tabuti, a boy who ends up finding 
a brand of magic chalk, uh, a brand that is only apparently grown in chalk zone itself, but somehow found its way into the real world. Using this magic chalk, you can draw a circle on a chalkboard, which will be your portal into the world of chalk zone, a world created by every single thing that has ever been erased off of a chalkboard. If you've ever erased a word, it ends up in chalk zone somewhere. If you have ever erased a house you made on a chalkboard, it ends up in chalk zone with somebody end up living in it, really. Uh, so it's such a unique show. It follows Rudy and his adventures in chalk zone. His, uh, his favorite drawing, Snap, his best friend, a little superhero character with a New Jersey accent. Uh, then there's Pen uh, Penny, his friend from school, who ends up being introduced in the series as a, another human character who can enter Chalk Zone with Rudy. And then, of course, we there's various Chalk characters, Chalk villains. It's a great show. It's a fun show and honestly a show that you couldn't really... It would be a really tough reboot because chalkboards have become, you know, they're still used in art, you know, pieces and, and Chalk and chalkboards are still around. There's still sidewalk chalk. It's not like an unknown presence, but just the idea of even chalkboards in school, it's all whiteboards. So uh, I wonder what the whiteboard equivalent to Chalk Zone is. That's the logical sequel here that we all really need. Uh, get, get to it, guys. I know you guys can knock it out of the park. Whiteboard Zone. 14 years ago, on August 24th, 2007, Danny Phantom finished its run on Nickelodeon. Created by Butch Hartman, Danny Phantom ran for three seasons and 53 episodes. Probably my second favorite Nicktoon of all time. Um, and, and Danny Phantom his, himself is in my top 10 favorite superheroes of all time, possibly even top five, although I've never really created that list. I just know that as even a superhero, Danny Phantom aims pretty high for me just in terms of his power set forget the show the the ghost power set is a is a fairly unique and pretty cool power set why wouldn't you want to be half ghost that would be pretty cool other than the fact that your parents are now on the on the possibility of hunting you on a daily basis which is a part of the problem in danny phantom for those that don't know young danny fenton he was just 14 when his parents built a very strange machine it was designed to view a world unseen. Yeah, uh, as far as that is concerned, the whole lyric debacle of the intro, I, I have listened to that intro so many times, and I swear that that singer, even if he was given the lyrics, young Danny Fenton says, yo, it's just... I have listened to that section so many times to listen for the young. I don't want to, like, tell the creator he's wrong. Like, clearly that's that's what, hey, that's what the words he intended. Young Danny Fenton, he was just 14. But I don't know. It, it sounds better with yo. I think he should just run with it now and just, yo, Danny Fenton. Like, it's just, it works better as a song. I, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, Danny Danny Fenton is the son of ghost hunters. Maddie and Jack Fenton are ghost hunters. They are the the world's greatest ghost hunters that I've ever seen. I mean, if you saw people that had this kind of technology, you would believe in ghosts. You would go. Now there is technology people used for ghost hunting, but I am telling you, if if people walked and ran around with the level of technology that the Fentons are building in their basement. 
you would believe in go you would just go all right i'm on it ghosts are real you're driving around in this tank with ghost gauntlets and giant ghost butterfly nets and ghost wind dream catchers I, I believe it. Ghosts are real, and ghosts are real in this world. Ghosts are very real in this world. Uh, unfortunately for the Fentons, they don't seem to be the greatest of ghost hunters. I've built them up pretty strong based on the level of their technology and the efficiency of their technology. But um, it does get its uses through Danny and his friends fighting the ghosts that haunt the world. Although the, the, the Fenton ghost hunting crew themselves rarely get to to relish in that enjoyment um so the fentons have created a ghost portal in their lab a portal to the other world danny as a young kid when it apparently doesn't work for his parents goes inside of it um in a suit turns it on from the inside which causes ghost particles to kind of meld with his dna which gives him the abilities of ghost powers or whatever that means and what does that mean well your usual levitation the ability to turn invisible uh the ability to shoot energy out of the palms of your hands and even if your butt if you decide to um the ability to go into somebody and take over their body to um and when i say invisible invisible they use the word intangible smartly in the show it's that i think that's the i guess better word to use in that regard um as you can see, definitely a Danny Phantom nerd here, if, you, if I haven't made that clear yet. Um, once Danny has these powers, though, he, of course, tells his best friends, Sam and Tucker, who then go on his quests forward, taking down any of the ghosts that try to haunt Amity Park, sending them back into the ghost zone. And you have three seasons of action-packed ghost fighting, ghost powers, but also at the same time a little bit of serialization because things that happen matter in this show. Things are carried over. Every fight, every moment with a character has weight to it because it will be referenced in a future episode. Um, characters don't forget about events. They don't let, you know, one day just kind of erase and they walk back into school not remembering the previous day. Now, it's not to the level of episode to episode. It, it's kind of the big stuff, you know, episodes in which Jazz, uh, Danny's sister, for example, at the beginning of the show, she doesn't know anything about his powers. She is kept out of the loop and she's a little bit crazy. Um, in, in the sense of just being a really overbearing sister, the super perfect A plus, I'm better than you kind of sister. There's an episode early on, I think in season one or early in season two, where she sees Danny transform into Danny Phantom. And now as the audience, we know that she has that secret. And for the next few episodes before it's even revealed to Danny that she knows, you know, she's kind of hinting at stuff but like we know about it so that kind of stuff carries over but you know there isn't just there there you don't need to watch every single episode but i will tell you as a fan if you're it's three seasons if you're going to watch through the show at all it's not that much of a of a show to get through 53 episodes is a breeze and in this day and age in streaming binge watching you can get through that uh, in, in no time flat, you'll be done with the whole show and be happy with it. The show ended on a uh, massive movie, Phantom Planet. Now, if there's one thing Danny Phantom was really known for, it was having really good 
uh, TV movies. And honestly, Butch Hartman at this time um, deserves a lot of credit in this regard. Not all of the credit because he had a lot of hands working on these shows, too. But both the Fairly Odd Parents and Danny Phantom had phenomenal TV movies for like this massive five or six year run. All of them were home runs out of the park. They were all really good. There were, of course, those those ones that stand above the rest, your channel chasers, the Jimmy Timmy power hours, the ultimate enemy. Uh, but but yeah, they had a lot of of like big event movies on Danny Phantom and all of them were excellent. Uh, the last one being Phantom Planet being a, a really true series finale, having kind of finality to the story. Uh, unfortunately, I think Danny Phantom could have lasted another season or two. It, it could have been marketed and pushed more, but for some reason, Nickelodeon, I guess, didn't think Danny Phantom was as popular as I know it is. They had uh, a, a toy marketing campaign with Burger King at one point. They had a marketing campaign with Captain Crunch. Danny Phantom was definitely popular, but the one big test for a lot of these shows was in merchandising and Nickelodeon for some reason had this really marketable boy show and just made almost no marketing material for it. I am telling you as a Danny Phantom fan that for years and my friends can attest to this, the most Danny Phantom merchandise I legitimately had was a poster that an ice cream man gave me of the new Danny Phantom ice cream bar and two Campbell's soup cans that were cross-promoting Danny Phantom and had Danny Phantom shapes. I missed out on the Danny Phantom cereal, and uh, unfortunately the Burger King campaign kind of came and went at a time that I wasn't really eating Burger King. But uh, there apparently were prototype toys that, that Butch Hartman has showed off of, like, a skulker figure with a ship, and they had other... F Those would have... I would have bought them! <laughs> Where's the fry meme of like, shut up and take my money? Uh, I, they didn't even try. You know, at least with Avatar The Last Airbender, they tried with those toy sets in the beginning of the show. Danny Phantom, I just, I don't think they tried. And I, I for some reason, I don't know just how the ratings were for Danny Phantom. But by the end, that third season was apparently done earlier than it far earlier than it aired I think even by a year at the time I remember being on forums on Butch Hartman's website and just people knowing that season three was done that they you know the cast already said it was the finale and that Nickelodeon was just sitting on it and and especially being on those forums at the time I remember there being quite a few protests like very small like maybe four or five people protests of Danny Phantom uh, outside of Viacom over in New York uh, season three was really slaughtered in the way it was aired. Uh, first off, the sixth episode of season three, known as Urban Jungle, aired months before any of the other episodes on October 9th, 2006. For some reason, they wanted Danny Phantom for October. They wanted a big Danny Phantom special to promote. So they took this one episode that also featured guest star Mark Hamill as a new villain, Undergrowth, um, and a show that also involved Danny receiving new ice powers from a character that he met 
in the second episode of the third season. He meets this character. Like I said, this is the part of, of where like, hey, yeah, some moments in time do carry over. He meets this brand new character in, in the second episode, Frostbite, who then in the sixth episode, he meets up with again. I, I you know completely forgot the circumstances. I think he's just kind of saved by him, but he gets ice powers with the help of this guy. So they air this episode completely out of order in October and then do not bother to air the rest of the of the episodes until July of 2007. And they're airing the episodes in a week long event called Phantom Mania. All right, cool. Hey, this is season three, everybody. This is what we've been. Uh, this is what we've been waiting for. Uh, unfortunately, we don't. <laughs> We don't even get the first episode of season three. Uh, we get the second episode, the third, and this is every day. It's like a, I think it's like a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Every day, there's a Danny Phantom episode. So you have, uh, so the second episode starts, then the third, fourth, fifth. And uh, then they can't air the sixth again because they've already aired it. So then they go right to the seventh. Boom. We're, we're done. That was Phantomania. Great. Hey, can we start getting weekly episodes now of the rest of the third season? No, because they hold the rest of the batch of the episodes, including the first episode of season three and the last batch in another event in August called Phantomania 2. I am serious. Like, if this is not, if this doesn't upset you whatsoever, that's fine. Like, as a fan, this is just a slap in the face where not only... Are you just sitting on these episodes? You're not airing them. You you could have 12 weeks of content here, 12 weeks that you could constantly promote as the final season of Danny Phantom. This is the finale. Watch week after week what is going to happen, what new characters are going to show up. Make this a big deal. That's your promotion. Instead of two week-long events you get to promote, you have 12 weeks of content to promote. But instead of doing, I don't know... It's one thing to throw all these episodes into two week-long events. It's a whole other thing to be so lazy to not even try to do anything different with that second batch. Just to Phantom Mania 2. I was like, whatever. Just let's get these over with and enjoy it and, and get Danny Phantom on DVD and, and whatever. I can just enjoy the series in full on its own. But, man, what a real flop there. Uh, Danny Phantom is still a very popular show. Danny himself is a super popular Nicktoon. I can't imagine a Nicktoon game coming out these days without him being involved uh, other than Nickelodeon Kart Racers 1. That's besides the point. Uh, I'm glad that he's going to be in Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl. It makes uh, He's a first ballot contender if there ever is going to be one other than SpongeBob. Uh, I would say if you've never watched Danny Phantom, it is well worth a complete watch. Um, Danny Phantom, for one thing, other than being one of my favorite Nicktoons, it has my favorite title cards of any show in history. I love that the title cards of this show are all designed to look like different comic book covers for Danny Phantom. And in that regard, each episode is like a comic book, a new issue in a story where previous villains and stories have happened. It's a complete story from beginning to end that I think you should watch, you should enjoy. If you have Paramount+, Plus, it's on there in its entirety. 
give it a watch. It is well worth your time. It gives my Captain Eric stamp of approval, my two thumbs up, and stands up there with the best of them. Uh, but we're not ending on Danny Phantom this week, my friends. Oh, no, because 19 years ago, on August 25th, 2002, Nickelodeon premiered Nickelodeon Robot Wars, ran for six episodes, and was presented by Dave Azers, of course, based off of the Robot Wars show, which uh, ran for a massive amount of series and revivals and episodes. Robot Wars has been a long staple in British television, uh, and I believe is still still is going on to this day at some point, or at least it's its last run. Might have been all the way, yeah, 2018. But that got its start all the way in 1998. So uh, I think it was smart to bring a, a kid-centric version of that to Nickelodeon. I am a fan of any of those competitions where somebody's got to build a robot and it has to go up in battle against another built robot. It's extremely fun. I enjoy that kind of stuff. Uh, it's a shame that it only ran for six episodes. I, I do think with a certain... Nickelodeon edge to it it could have been a fairly popular show like imagine if Nickelodeon at the time went to some of these robot builders and said hey we want to make this we want to make a similar show but kind of make it Nickelodeon centric can you make a robot that is based off of Spongebob can you make a robot based off of this show and have it spit slime out and things like that I think if they went that route went to these robot creators and not necessarily told them what to do, but just said like, hey, your job is to just make a robot based off of rocket power. Boom. Oh, boom. oh man, I just came up with that right now. You have a robot that has rockets on it. Bingo. Put me in charge of some of these shows. That's all I have to say. Uh, but that is this week in Nickelodeon history. My name is Captain Eric. Thank you for joining me this week. If you enjoy any of the content I create and if you find any way or means of supporting me, I appreciate you 100%. You are a part of my crew. Uh, thank you for joining me. We'll see you here next week. Stay safe out there.